Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What is up, Wizards fans? Welcome into another Believe in Wizards podcast. I'm Matt Moderno. I've got Raphael Barla joining me here today. Uh, Raphael does NBA Big Board, uh, Locked on NBA Big Board, NBA Draft Junkies. My guy is everywhere, and uh, this is my go-to source for all things draft-related. It's the only draft podcast that I check out every single episode of, so uh, you keep me informed on these things, so I'm hoping you can kind of do that for the rest of Wizards fans here, and that they'll uh, also go and, and check out the pod as a whole. So thanks for coming on, man. Oh, I, I appreciate that that uh you listen every day i mean you never know who listens i mean obviously you know people may come in here and there but the fact you said you listen every day and i'm i I consider you a draft guy i know you're thanks like (laughs) i'll take it it's a badge of honor but no yeah i consider you a draft guy because i mean i've seen you bring up different players on twitter that are like totally I would say against the consensus but they're not the ones that are talked about consistently and so if you're watching guys especially Guys in the, I keep wanting to call it the Pac-10, but the Pac-12, I love West, Coast West Coast games, guys. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're definitely a draft guy. So I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, thanks, man. Uh, the, the West Coast stuff is funny for me because it's after my wife goes to bed. So I have free reign to watch whatever random basketball I want at that point in the day. And they're usually still live. So been a lot of Mountain West this year and Big West and stuff like that. So uh, it's, it's been fun. Yeah, I keep uh, falling asleep. I I keep falling. I'm still messed up from being in Africa for two weeks. So by seven, eight o'clock now, I'm exhausted. Then I wake up in the middle of the night wide awake. But I haven't watched live, at least live. I haven't watched a lot of West Coast games recently. Well, plus you got the little guy to take care of, too. I'm sure that eats up a lot of time and sleep and things like that. I have no excuse. <laughs> I'm, I'm up that late anyway. So I, you know. Yeah, he's, he's in bed by eight o'clock. So okay. get him his bath and. His bath time is cutting into my, uh, <laughs> you know, seven, it's eight o'clock. Yep. Yep. Hey, maybe before we get going just a little bit, I, I didn't preempt you on this, but you mentioned the the Africa trip. Could you just tell folks a little bit about that? Because I think that was super cool to to follow from afar. So, um, yeah. So there's, there's, oh, I believe that there's another Wimbayama Giannis. There's just another freak athlete in on the continent. Mm-hmm. And I, I got this like ambitious dream of like finding like the next great prospect, the NBA player with African roots. And so um, a guy I know he, he was having a basketball camp and they basically showed me some videos, just random. I mean, just terrible footage, cell phone videos of sure. some players. And so um, we worked something out where I went out there and, and um, you know, created some content for for the camp, and just saw some of the talented players that they have. And I, I think that the next step is is just really like digging into like the, the basketball in Africa. I mean, the talent is there. The infrastructure is still way behind. Mm-hmm. And um, a lot of times when, when when people go to Africa, they're just looking for what we can't find here, which is you know seven footers. Yep. At, at a premium so they're just looking for for bigs but i think 
the next step that can really like change basketball is if you like develop these six eight, six nine, six ten that that could be wings mm-hmm. because the athleticism and the tools are there. I mean, you look at a guy like Siakam, for example. And so if you can find the next Siakam, I mean that that that's a big win. So I just went out there. I was there for about nine days to the basketball camp there, and um, I saw some some guys that are pretty talented. The only downside of it is, is that like if there's some guards that are, that are good, mm-hmm. maybe not like NBA prospects, but guys that can play college, it's kind of tough to help them out in a sense because we have all of that here in the states. Sure. It's at, not as big so, a demand for yeah. For so some of those guys that I think are are good they may just not have the same opportunities because they don't have like the college basketball system and, mm-hmm. and, and so on. So there's some guys there that are talented enough, like guard six, two, six, three, that could probably play college ball in the States that just probably won't ever get an opportunity to, to play past where they're playing now. So that's, that's pretty unfortunate. You look at some of the teams that are having success and a lot of West coast teams actually that, that are kind of avoiding some of the NIL stuff that they're having more of an international flavor or component to their team. And I don't know, maybe that's an opportunity for, for people to get kind of a leg up on people. And it's sort of a copycat league, even in college basketball. So if somebody has some success with it, uh, you know, hopefully that, that kicks off a little bit. Yeah. It's just, it's um, not as easy of a transition from like Europe you know, in Europe, it's westernized, and like some parts of Africa, I mean, you're you're going way back in time. Like there's mm-hmm. a kid that I saw, and uh, seven foot three, wow, thirteen years old. He's fourteen now. He just had a birthday. Was a goat herder. Oh, jeez. Okay. So never played basketball. Never touched the basketball. Mm-hmm. Someone, you know, saw him. <laughs> Obviously, it's hard to miss. Sure. And they moved him to um, Nairobi. Nairobi, Kenya. You're trying to get him involved in basketball. And I had posted the video, but I ended up having to take it down. All these like federations started reaching out oh, geez, yeah. and so on and and trying to figure out who he is and where is he at and how to like, you know, it just got, got really, really yeah. crazy in, in a sense. But for a kid like that, I mean, he's from like a, a remote village. Mm. So it was already an adjustment for him going from a remote village in Africa to a a city, a large metro city in Africa. So it's just like you can't really pluck a kid from like a remote village and throw him in to the United States. It's a big mean, The food is different. Everything is different. So, I mean, there's just so many factors behind it to like get a really successful player. But I think the challenge is uh, the, the challenge is really intriguing for me. Well, it's still very cool to follow, and I look forward to uh, to seeing more of that kind of content along the way because it's just interesting, and, and yep. no one else is really doing it. So shout out to yeah, you. Yeah, hopefully I find one. Hopefully I, I find one. I hope so, too. Uh, before we get going, brought to you guys, as always, by Stateside Vodka, Surfside Hard Iced Teas, Hard Lemonades, Hard Everything. They're all good. And BetOnline. BetOnline is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, line, matchup reports for boxing, UFC, golf, tennis, NBA, NFL, all that good stuff. The fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting on your favorite casino and card games. And it's available from your website, mobile device. The website's available from your mobile device, phone, all that good stuff. Promo code is BLEAV for 50% off your welcome deposit or welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. All right. So you guys just did, uh, you and Brother James did a mock draft podcast just a couple days ago and uh, thought this was an interesting time to kind of talk Wizards here a little bit because it's, it's starting to look like they're guaranteed a top five pick at this point. And 
Uh, I thought some of the names were interesting, and I think we're probably far enough along in the cycle where, all right, we just have a pretty good idea of of who the guys in that top 10-ish range, give or take, are going to be. So just to, to run down the, the list you guys had as the top five, and the Wizards picked five in this scenario, uh, Nikola Topic, number one, Alexander Saar, number two, Zachary Rishache, number three, Modis Bezelis, number four, and Ron Holland went number five to the Wizards. Uh, next couple guys here, like Jacoby Walter went six. Those are the kinds of names I, I've seen most commonly, too, in that that general range. I guess yep. um, James made the pick for the Wizards at Holland, but did you like that one there? Is that who you would have gone with? And I guess what would he look like as a member of the Washington Wizards? I wouldn't have went with that pick, honestly. Okay. Yeah. I think I may have went with Jacoby. Okay. I don't went with Jacoby or I, I, I may have, you know, if I'm I'm the Wizards, I may have just taken the gamble on um, Rob Dillingham. Okay. I, mean, I, I thought Bilal last year was a pretty gutsy call for first time GM. Mm-hmm. And I think that pick has worked out. And uh, I mean, I was high on Bilal. Like, I was on Bilal early. very early. Yeah, you were. Like, I watched him play it was like at a junior game and i actually went to the game and just spent the whole time watching him mm-hmm. on camera and i was thinking like yeah this this is going to be good for 2024 i didn't think he would go high and then his agent told me he was going to go top 10 like maybe like the day before the draft mm-hmm. and i still thought he was going like eight sure and uh for him to go what, what was it seven yeah, technically seven. The technically Wizards seven, yeah. yeah. And so, um, but that was a gutsy call for you know a, a new GM, and so I think that Rob Dillingham would, would probably be my swing for the fences choice. Okay, I don't see why he can't be like Darius Garland, and I know, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's kind of like his his name was more associated with like flash and, and lack of substance. So I think there's quite a few people that that's that was like their perception of him. Mm-hmm. But just the way that he's played this year, I mean, he's been efficient. He's coming off the bench. He's only playing about 25, 26 minutes per game, if, I, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. I mean, he's shown flashes of passing. The offensive creativity has always been there. And if you're not scared away by the size, which I think if, if – and I did a podcast before where I mentioned some guys in that same size – I mean, I think he could be one of those guys. So I, I probably would gamble on 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 Dillingham. But I think the safer pick to where if it doesn't pan out and you don't like lose your job <laughs> would be Ron Holland. Yeah. Just, I mean, he's been a name associated with this range for so long. I, I watched a couple high school games last year and came away enamored with what, you know, Ron Holland could do. And then Maybe I'm just catching the wrong games, but every time I see an Ignite game, I'm just kind of underwhelmed. He, he looks a little smaller than I thought, a little slower and less athletic than I thought. And I, I thought he'd be able to do more kind of creation stuff, but I just, I don't know what he does on an NBA court, at least for the next couple of years. Like, what, what do you see the fit? I mean, can you play that's him and be all together long-term? Like, what, what does that look like? Yeah, that's that's the difficult thing with Ron. I think Ron is a guy that dominated high school because he was more athletic than guys. I mean, he his motor is incredible. Yeah, he plays hard as shit every time. I mean, yeah, he plays hard. The effort is there, and then it's like when it scales up to NBA. I personally wonder, like, all right, what's the fit? Mm It's, it's weird because I don't like boxing guys in, but then there's a part of me that likes to 
figure out a role? Like, are you, sure. you know, like for big, are you a vertical lob threat? Mm-hmm. Are you a floor spacer? Are you a defensive anchor? For mm-hmm. wing, it's like, are you a shot creator or are you a three and D guy? And so I don't know too many other, like, I guess, variables for wings. And so Ron is not really a good shooter right now. So I can't plug him as a 3 and D guy. I think defensively, he got a lot of credit for being, like, a great defender because of the motor and athleticism. And I think on the high school level, it worked out because he was just flying all over the floor. Yeah, overwhelmed and people. To, and yeah. yeah, and he didn't have to really be disciplined in a sense. He could gamble, get the passing lanes, guard one through five. And then when it scales up, it's like, all right, you can't gamble on this steal because you might get beat back door. He is also smaller than what he was listed at. He was listed at 6'8". I think he's closer to 6'6". Six, six. I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he measured out at 6'5 and three yeah, quarters or whatever. That too. Um, I think the athleticism translates. I'm just concerned about, like like you said, what is his role? Not a 3D guy. Not very creative off the bounce as far as, like, creating space and getting the shot off. It's It's pretty predictable. Hard drive right. It doesn't generate like a lot of, of foul temps. It's so it's, it's for me, it's tough. But on the other hand, he's young. He's only 18. I think he'll still be 18 on draft night I know. or close to it. And then, um, I mean, the production is, is still there. So he's um, he's a tough eval for me. Yeah, I'm literally in the exact same boat. It's like he, he seems like he would be a Will Dawkinsy kind of pick, you know, bet on physical tools and we'll figure the rest of the stuff out as we go. He's younger. There's still some upside. Uh, but I'm with you. I, I typically like a guy where I'm like, all right, at, at the very least, the safe outcome is he could do this for an NBA team. And worst case scenario, like a Rob Dillingham, I, I think is a sixth man scorer at a minimum. Like you could just, he does that for you. I, and I think yeah. if he does other stuff, great you know but there's at least a a floor there uh so i like a higher swing but like at least some kind of safe outcome at the end of the day i think cool bali was like all right it looks like he'll shoot well enough that at the very least if he's a three and d guy like that's still still valuable and and hopefully he he can do some more Uh, another guy you guys had in this range that is higher than i think anywhere else i've seen him but as a guy i've liked the most watching the ignite is tyler smith and i'm like really intrigued right now by like hybrid four type guys that could guard up a little bit, but also guard down and and do different things for you. And I think that might actually be the most like important position in the league moving forward. Everybody loves three and D guys, but the three and D four at the very least, the guy that can create a little bit too, it just makes teams so much harder to guard when you have the shameless plug for us wizards fans here, but like the Kyle Kuzma type guy that can do multiple mm-hmm. things for you. So uh, again, I think that was a, a James pick, but, I, I think you've been pretty high on, on Tyler too overall. Yeah, man. He just has a skill set that you feel like projects. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I, mean, I guess you don't know, but you can say, all right, if he continues shooting the ball, you know, he can be a pick and pop four or at least a floor spacer that will complement whoever my star is. Mm-hmm. And so uh, to me, that's, that's a lot easier to project his success. And then even like his, his, his floor, and then you say, all right, well, if he can be like a guy that can knock down open shots and put the ball on the floor and maybe post up against smaller players and defend up or maybe even down some, then you're like, okay, this is this is perfect for the modern day NBA. Yeah. 
I, I was like a little late to the party with Leonard Miller last year too. And just like, I don't know if he'll shoot it well enough. And he's, if he doesn't shoot it, what does he do? But I mean, just watching these G League games is like, all right, th- this is why I kind of came around to it at, at a certain point. And, and not that they're the same player, but you know, Tyler Smith is is intriguing in in that kind of mold of guy who could could do a lot of different things for you. So I, I think that's something to keep an eye on. I, I like uh, also looking at just sort of like the value of a position versus where you draft them. So so to me, it's easier to get the six four guy who just scores and doesn't really do a ton else for you, like anywhere in a draft. And every draft has a couple of them, like the the Cam Thomas mold kind of guy of, of just. Yeah potentially inefficient scorer. Uh, I think Jacoby Walter is better than that, but he, to me, it's like, all right, he probably only guards like a position or two. He's not great defensively. I don't really think he creates for other people. He's not big enough to guard big wings. I I don't think so. He's really kind of like locked in as a two, I think, and he's a great shooter and he'll score at at a pretty high level, but I would be worried about taking that guy with a top five pick just, just based on that. I guess talk me talk me into maybe Jacoby Walter if, if you feel more strongly than that. Yeah, so I think with this draft, guys are going to, you know, if a guy's a 10 to 14 range in another draft, I believe in this draft, you can top bump five-ish. him up to, to five. So mm-hmm. it's, it's not uh, necessarily like the player's fault that this class is – I mean, it has. I mean, this class has a bunch of wild cards, mm-hmm. and I've I've had agents tell me there's some NBA teams that are probably like, "Who I don't want to, I don't want to pick in the top three. I'd much rather be in that range because you can lose your job if you get the wrong one, two, or three. You know, so, I mean, everybody has. I would say more concerns this year than any other year that I can that I can remember in, in recent. Some people may say 2020. But I thought that was just a weird draft overall. I mean, Lamelo only played a few games. Wiseman only played a few games. Um, I don't think both of them was it was Garland in that draft. I think so. No, Edwards was the other one, and he was kind of hidden down on a bad Georgia team too. So it's like, but was Garland in? No, uh, no, no, I'm sorry. Two years before that, I think. Two years before that. Okay, yeah. I know he only played a few games, and so, um, so yeah. I mean, I just I just think this draft is different. I mean, with, with Jacoby. I think my brother compared him to KCP. Okay. If he can be a KCP. And, and so there reasonable. were people that said that they didn't see it, but um, KCP wasn't really known as a defender yeah, in, yeah. in college either. I don't think they asked him to defend at all, really. I mean, that yeah. was a, a, so a great thing. I, I do think they asked you to defend at Baylor. Mm-hmm. The thing that would kind of scare me a little bit about Walter is he's just so, I don't want to say he's inconsistent. That's probably like a strong word to use. But if you just look at his games, he'll have like a really good game against like a power five team. And then there's some games he just looks like he just didn't get up for. Like they had a game against like John Brown. I know he had like a game against Nichols State where he was one for eight. So that would that would be my concern. He he is from the area in Dallas, so I'm pretty familiar with him. And that's kind of been a knock on him from some people for for a while now. Is that mm-hmm. if it's if the lights are on, he you're, you're going to get a, a you know a good showing. But there's sometimes where the the energy level and the effort is not consistent. I should say. Uh, Nikola Topic, I think, made some news recently because he shifted up uh, a league to to get into um, to leave the Adriatic League and, and get into more Euro League level competition and. 
uh, unfortunately got hurt uh, in game number two here. Seems like he's going to miss five or six weeks. Maybe that actually doesn't hurt his draft stock because you don't get an opportunity to see if he can or can't hang at that level too much. But it it seems like he's probably locked into a top five pick, I think, from what people have seen so far. So for for anybody not familiar, this pick-and-roll wizard, kind of a big point guard potentially, doesn't really guard anybody too much yet, and and the shooting is sort of questionable. But in the NBA, like – you know, if, if you can just dominate ball screens all over the place, I think that's a pretty good place to start. I guess he went number one in your draft. Is, is he the clear kind of number one guy right now? I know Sar no. is somebody you've been high on too. But. No, I don't I don't think he's clear number one. I mean, I, I'd say a lot of people may feel Sar is, mm-hmm. but I mean, there's a lot of concerns there too. But, but Topic is fun. I mean, he's a big guard, and I've been watching him for a couple of years now. And when I first saw him... I, I want to say, so say it was like 22. So it was early 2022. I thought he was good. I, I really thought he was good, but I, there's no way I thought like NBA player, yep. definitely not potential number one or top five pick. The tournament, the tournament I watched him play, he scored, but he turned the ball over like at a ridiculous amount. I, I think mm-hmm. he averaged like six turnovers per game, okay. but he – just got downhill. He wasn't as big as he is now. I think he was about 6'4". So now he's about 6'7", what I've seen him listed as. But yeah. just the, the jump that he's made over the past year or so, there's only one other player that I feel like has made that type of jump in a calendar year, and it's Bilal. And, and, and so I think that, I mean, he, he's trending in the right direction. I'm not as concerned about the shooting as others because I feel like a lot of his shots were – off the dribble jump shots because everyone is going, you know, they're just worried about him getting to the paint because mm-hmm. he's like this aggressive driver. And I don't want to make it a, a Euro on Euro compare uh, comparison, but he reminds me a lot of like Goran Dragic at his prime. Okay. How Goran just got downhill, wasn't really like playing with the ball a lot. Not a lot of dancing with the ball. It was, Give me a screen. Very I'm getting efficient. downhill. Yeah. I'm finishing at the rim, and I'm I'm making the right reads and, and and kicking it out to shooters. So he reminds me of like a bigger Dragic, not the shooter. Obviously, Dragic was a, a you know a good shooter in his prime, but I think Topic can be. I was looking forward to seeing him play with with Red Star because um, I figured he'd have a little bit more catch and shoot opportunities and and how he would look in a reduced role. But just a few clips I saw, I think there was, I think it was the game he got hurt. It was like the first play of the game. Aggressive drive to the rim, crazy environment. So you, you love the confidence. You love the, the, the fearlessness. And it's, I'm going on a tangent here, but that's kind of what makes the Ignite tough to evaluate in a sense because there's no pressured environment. You're playing in front of 38 people. There's no, I mean, is there an incentive? I mean, you want to win, obviously, but you don't have a rival. You're not going into like <laughs> there's, there's really no fans there most of the time. You yeah. Know, so what environment. environment do you have? You you know you're going to play a bunch, and even if you're down by thirty, it doesn't seem to really have that much of an impact. I think in in college, if you're on a team and you're constantly losing and you're putting up numbers when you're down by 20 in the first Mm -hmm. 
it, it works against you, but for some reason for the ignite players, it, it, it hasn't. So anyway, back to Topic. I just I just love how how in the two games that he played in the Euro League, he did not look like an 18-year-old that was, you know, um that just played in, in fear or, or just shook by the environment. So I really love that about him. I watched a little bit of, of the first game, just just the catch and shoot clips, and he just confidently fired away. And I don't I think he went like oh for five or something, but wasn't afraid to shoot it. Shot yeah. looks okay to me and he's yeah. got good touch otherwise. So I'm with you. Like I, I think that's more of a just he probably hasn't had to do that much. And um playing next to Milos Teodosic, you know, he would have gotten a ton of open looks. So it would have been nice to see if um the greatest passer of all yeah, time, exactly. in my opinion. At least just far as just I mean pure excitement. Like yep. Highlight real passing, and yeah, you would have gotten a lot of open looks to to see if he could make them. Uh, nice your hands better be ready because you're going to yeah. get hit in the face if they're not. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so hopefully he can come back with enough time here to to get a couple looks at him and, and get back up to speed. Uh, just want to touch on Sar briefly here. I think most Wizards fans are familiar with him. To me, like safe guy in the top three. You always want a rangy guy who can switch on the perimeter if you need to, but also protect the rim. I don't really buy the shooting personally. It's kind of a knuckleball to me, but if he hits a decent enough clip of them, um, you know, maybe, maybe that's enough. I, I just don't see the offensive scaling for him to be, a, you know, like any more than like a fourth or fifth starter. Um, but Hey, you can be a really valuable player just based on being that and switchable defensively. So uh, where are you at with Sar? Do you, do you think he has more offensive game to him than, than maybe I do? Sar is a player that I was pretty critical of the last few years because whenever I watched him on the French national teams, I'm like, this dude is super talented. Like, why is he not dominating? Mm -hmm. Because you got, what, 7-1, wingspan. He moves like a wing. I mean, there's promise as a ball handler. I mean, he shows flashes of like a LaMarcus Aldridge turnaround fadeaway jumper. He blocked shots. Then you're like, okay, he's made some impressive passes. It's like you, you see so much talent, and you just wonder, like, why didn't he dominate? And even this summer with, with the French national team, um, he didn't, like, dominate those games. Like, he, he just kind of blended in. And, and the same with Risa Shea. They were on the, I, I, if I'm not mistaken, they were on the same team. I, I get the 18s and, and 19s. Yeah, Melvin Ajinsa was on the team with him, and I think he had a lot more offensive responsibility at the very least than, than Sar did. And that's really because that's his, his he has like an aggressive mentality. And so Sar has always to me just been a guy that like like you're wanting more. Then he has this great showcase where awesome. I don't I, I don't know what what they fed him, but I mean he was blocking shots and I was there at both games. Mm-hmm. He's like talking, you know, talking crap. He's staring guys down. It was just like a totally totally different level of 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 energy from him so it's like okay could this guy be you know could could he could he be turning the corner and then i mean i feel like the effort and and flashes have been there in the nbl Mm -hmm. but then it's like ah he's not he's not dominant like even if you look at the numbers i think it's like around 10 points a game 10 and 5 28% 28% from three, 63% from the foul line. I mean, he's blocking a shot a game. He's only playing 18 minutes per game. He's coming off the bench most of the time. Coming right? off the bench. Yeah. 
And it's like, wow. So if you take him number one, it's almost like you're taking a number one for the flashes and what you saw in that two-game stretch Mm -hmm. versus Ignite. But then if you think about it, it's like, well, the Ignite aren't very good. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Right. That might say more about them than it says about him at this point. Yeah. And so, I mean, I do think that he's... He was like, I would take him just because, like, you see the flashes. So I still don't have to say this. Talent to me is not not the concern at all. Yep. It's just a matter of does he have the mentality to go out and dominate? Like, is he, like, an intense competitor? Mm-hmm. That's that's the only concern I have with him because if he puts it all together, I mean, if you, you get your best-case scenario, you have, like, your – Vertical lob threat, shot blocking, floor spacing big that can attack closeouts, that can be an interior passer, that can switch all over the floor. I mean, if he puts it all together, I mean, you you have something really special there. It's just a couple times, like I haven't watched a ton of NBL, but like I'll, I'll turn on like a Perth game for a little bit and I'll wait for him to come in. And it's like, oh, I didn't realize he came in like three or four minutes ago. And it just that would scare me if I'm going to take a guy number one, even in a draft that people don't think is as you know loaded at the top end. At least Topic, like even even in this uh, Euroleague game, like you notice him, he makes an impact right yeah. away. And and that to me, like, um, is it Ricochet or Ricochet? Shay. Okay, so Ricochet. You know he's not going to do anything that like is too crazy. But you notice him when he's on the court, I, I think, at the very least. And, and they're going to create some good looks for him. And he's moving a lot. And he's, you know, he's not doing a ton of flashy stuff with the ball that often. But you still know he's on the court, I, I think. Like, he doesn't blend in as much to me as I've seen Sar do. And that's the crazy thing is I've seen him play. I've seen him play live twice this year. Hmm. The first time I saw him play... Um, is when he was playing for Asville, and I actually watched him play in the the Espars League, which is like the second league before Victor uh, when Victor played there. So anyway, I thought, okay, this guy, he's going to be a top five pick. The first time I saw him, and it was a blowout win. If I'm not mistaken, they played they played Blau, <laughs> Blau okay. cool, probably. Nice. and um, and Blau was you probably wouldn't even recognize him at the time. Sure. And I thought like, okay, Risa Shea is going to be a top five pick. Mm-hmm. And then I started watching him more and seeing him live. And it was like he always had his best games when they blew teams out. But when it was like a competitive no game, that's when I started to like have concerns about him. So even the game this summer, I think the championship game, or if it wasn't a championship game, it was the game before the championship game against Spain, which is a big rival. Either had zero points or two points, yeah. and when I went to watch him play this year, um, he had three points. But it was against Monaco, which was a team that you know Euroleague team, yeah, it's a, adult men on that team yeah. last year. I thought he had some good moments uh, defensively, mm-hmm. and then the second game I saw him play, he played against Melvin Ajinka, and he had twelve points, but. I, th- I want to say they all came in the second half when they were down by 20. Mm. So when you look at, like, I'm, I'm at the game or leaving the game, and I see, like, the posts on Twitter, and you see, like, all the points, and the you see the threes made. But it, it was totally different being there. Feeling it. Mm. It's okay. just like watching the game. 
And so that will be my concern for him. But, I mean, you can't deny the production. He's shooting the ball. I actually think he's bigger than what he's listed. I mean, I've seen him listed at 6'8". Six, six, he's like 6'10"-ish, maybe. Like, I think he's 6'10". Yeah. Like, when you when you see him, he has the look. Like, mm-hmm. even though he's not physically strong right now, you look at, like, his legs and you just see how he moves. And you're like, okay, at the minimum, he could be this guy that defends all over the floor. I mean, the game that I saw against Monaco, they they put him on Mike James. Mike James is going to be the EuroLeague's all-time leading scorer. Right. And he defended him well, picked him up full court. So that's when I became more so a fan of him on the defensive end. I saw like, okay, I, I can see if he can knock down shots. Um, it's just the offensive creativity. He's not doing much else. People need to create stuff for him, it seems like. Yeah, and so even then in a normal draft, I don't think you want that that high. And so I think best case scenario for him, if he's in like this Michael Porter Jr. role Mm -hmm. where he's, you know, this big floor spacer, that can do a little bit more than that. And uh, but maybe not necessarily like get to the rim. But if he's like a, a, a defender, floor spacer, Cutter, transition finisher. I mean, I, I could see him having a long road there. I, I do think that, again, like this class, I don't know if he'd be top three in another class. And then I feel like even if, you know, go to like the worst teams, they already have their guy. So you can be a top three pick. And it's totally fine being in a complimentary role. Maybe Washington is the team that that you're looking for that guy to build around. Mm. which, um, you know, which could be tough for, for one of these players coming in. I think uh, to me, like you said, complimentary role, I, I think it's a safe bet to me that he comes in just like a solid, at the very least rotation guy. Like I, I, I wouldn't even question it's, it's how much can you scale up from that? If, if you don't kind of create for yourself or others, the French guy I've been more interested in. And I got like weirdly caught up in watching their French under 18 team, over the summer was for, for TJ, or I, I don't know, they called him TJ a lot on the broadcast, maybe because they couldn't say his first name, TJ in Saloon. Yeah. Uh, he's like more intriguing to me than Rissache overall, like probably lower floor, but the ceiling is more interesting. He was all over dudes on the under 18 team, yep. like in passing lanes. And I want to say he almost had like three steals a game. Like they were afraid to throw the ball on the half of the court that, you know, the side of the court that he was on because he was just long and everywhere and he moved well. And you're starting to see some pop from him, like doing some stuff for other people. He's shooting the ball like decently. The the percentage isn't actually great, but he's like confidently hitting enough of those things. And the game that he played against Ricochet's team, I don't think they guarded each other at all, which was kind of disappointing, but, um, to me, that's like a bigger swing that if I were in like the seven, eight, nine, ten range, that's the guy I would kind of consider. Yeah, I mean, he's a swing for the fences guy. I mean, he's a guy that you know, like, all right, he's on the court. He checked in the game. Yep. I think what's crazy about that situation is he wasn't someone that was like considered, you know, a potential NBA player since he was 13. So there's still like a rawness to his game where it's like, I got to earn my my minutes. Like nobody's really given him anything in a sense. Mm-hmm. And so he comes out there and, and he's just playing hard. Like, I mean, the turnovers and some of the the, the plays, the decision-making, you could tell it's raw. 
but it's the, it's two things that I I see out of him. One, he's very confident, mm-hmm. and two, he's bringing effort and energy, and he's got this toughness to him. Yeah. Like he's got this toughness and competitive fire, and and sometimes that's been a knock on some French players in a sense, is that they I've always felt like talent wise, I mean they're just as skilled as like a lot of American players, but sometimes you know there's there's like this extra competitive fire or, or dog that some of them may lack but he's like a dog like I mean, yeah. he'll dunk on you he'll i mean he's 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 tough and so i think if you if you're a team and you're like we have the timeline to wait on him and develop him there are some flashes of shooting he could be like this you know this athletic defender energy guy that has some skill to his game. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's Koulibaly 2.0. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned the the fieriness to him because it, it's what you talked about with CNSAR in that G League showcase or the, the Ignite showcase games. Like They run the same play for him to get him this like backdoor lob a couple times and he'll dunk it and then just like mean mug everybody on the court on the way down. And you're like, yeah, yeah I want I want more of that. Like, yeah. And he'll get a steal from somebody and get a run out dunk. And he's like kind of like, I'm waiting for him to give somebody like the too small laughter. I don't think that's caught on in France yet, yeah. but uh, I I would just like that. I mean, I, I'll take you being raw, especially if you're the Wizards. You have the timeline to wait on one of these guys. Now, I don't think I would be crazy enough to take him with the top three pick, but you know, if you ended up with another pick in back end of the lottery or something like that, I, that's absolutely the kind of big swing type of guy I, I would take if I were you know an enterprising young GM like Will Dawkins. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I, I like the flashes. I mean, I saw him play at Basketball Out Borders last year, mm-hmm. and he was someone that stuck out to me, but it was like, I mean, the decision-making was like Bad. up and down. I mean, yeah. sometimes he, he like he's a guy that he'd make a great play, like what let's say it was a block or got a steal or athletic slam, and then he'd come back the next possession and shoot a step-back three. When you with, don't need to, yeah. you know, and so if, if he can just kind of, you know, just that, that confidence and energy and just kind of channel it in the right way and then continue to work on the skill set, he could be someone that ends up being a top 10 pick based off potential, but then mm-hmm. five years down the line or even three years, you're like, man, he should have went higher. He seems like the guy this year, like the, the Koulibaly of this year to me, like where I bet most people had never heard of him uh, yeah. prior to like October. And now it's like, yeah, lottery guy. Uh, so he's think, way uh, earlier. Cause Bilal didn't, I mean, yeah, he was, was really out of the rotation until yeah. what March or something like that. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. He wasn't starting until like the end of the season, basically. So yeah. yeah. And he, I mean, he, he told me that he wasn't supposed to play at all and they just had a bunch of injuries yeah. And it's just crazy how it all works out. I mean, his agent is the same agent as Victor's. Mm-hmm. And so the agent also presented the coach of the team. So the agent had some power in a sense. Like, you know, if you had, if people follow like what's going on with the Metropolitan 92 this year, like they're like the worst team in the French league. Victor kind of saved them, got them all type of eyes and exposure and sold jerseys in a sense. And so, um, the agent Buna Injai had some some power there, and so mm-hmm. he was able to like, you know, c- convince the, the coach bring my guy up. Yeah, let let Bilal play, and so Bilal was saying even with that, he still wasn't going to play much until they had a bunch of injuries. 
so he wasn't trending until like very, very late. Like, I mean, you talk about perfect timing when to trend up and a perfect situation with all eyes on you with Victor and you're on the NBA channel. And it's crazy because T John is trending in that direction early without those yeah, factors. Right. He's bringing without, the out. He's been on NBA TV a couple of times a week. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I, I think he's definitely a guy worth keeping an eye on for people. And if, if he's the guy at the end of the draft that people are surprised about on draft night, it, it also wouldn't shock me. Um, just just kind of in that general mold of maybe higher upside, potentially guys that haven't had, I don't know, a ton of production yet. Um, yeah. Stephen Castle for UConn, bigger wing, kind of point forwardy stuff, but uh, doesn't really shoot it, but is defended a lot better than I, I kind of expected. Uh, one of our, our frequent Wizards fans here, uh, Riley Richards, is that that's his guy. So I had to ask about Castle for him. Uh, where are you at with Castle as the injury kind of, you know, held him back at, I guess, from a draft perspective at all? Yeah, he made a really interesting decision because if he would have taken the Darius Garland route or Shaden Sharp route, I think that his draft stock, based off of, you know, the hype that he had coming in, I, I thought it was high enough to where, I mean, of course, teams want to see more of him, sure. but I, I thought that he could have, he, he, he would have been in a good situation just because mm-hmm. of the size and the playmaking. And so for him coming back and not looking like, I mean, I think this last game he started to look like himself, but playing hurt just kind of shows, it tells you a lot about him as a competitor. It tells you a lot about him, um, willing to take that risk because he went out to play and how he was, you know, didn't make the decision all about him. He it's, he's a team guy. He's about his teammates. So I think that helps him out. Even if the play is, 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 has been up and down, which you expect it to be. I've never had surgery before, but I just think it's crazy when people say minor surgery, <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? Like anything's a big deal, especially when you play an athletic sport that, that puts a pounding on your body. Yeah, and it was a knee. It, it wasn't like a hand or, you know what I mean? So it was a knee. So um, I, I think like, I mean, I think it's a tough situation because like it's hard to unsee what you see on the court and you don't see a guy that is 100%, yeah. but you actually see him out there playing and competing and trying to win and, and so on. And so I think that's one of the reasons why people may trust college basketball over again, the G league yep. because I mean, you, you got to win, you, you have to win and, and, and there's pressured environments and, and so on. While I think if he were, I think if one of the night guys had the same exact situation, I'm, I'm, I'm almost the certain they would shut it down for the season. Yep. I, I think it's exactly the, the point you touched on there. That's been most impressive to me is just, he doesn't come in and be like, all right, I got to get my numbers because I'm a, I'm trying to be in the lottery. Like he seems happy to just be a connective passer and, and like guard up on people. And, uh, you know, uh, Danny Hurley is not going to suffer a non defender like that from, from somebody young who has the capability to do it. So I, I think he's a guy that, you know, if he um, overperformed his draft stock because we didn't get a real look at him uh, healthy, it, it wouldn't shock me. Yeah, and like I said, I don't know him. I don't know much about him, mm. but I, I will say that I like the fact that he took the challenge to go to a school to where you, he probably knew he wasn't going to put up like crazy numbers. Yeah. You know, you're going to be coached at, at UConn, mm-hmm. and I, I thought like he he picked a challenging situation, and then 
by him coming back to play after having knee surgery, missing a month, he stills up for for that challenge, and he, he just seems like a win guy, a team guy, someone that that you want on your team. So I, I like that about him. Now the passing, I think the passing is, I think he was overpassing at first, like the first couple games he was trying to. I guess he was playing a little bit too unselfish. I thought there were times where he had a layup and then he overpassed trying to get an assist. But that was early in the season. But I think if he puts it all together, you could have like this big point guard, if not a big point guard, a big connective tissue. Mm-hmm. If he shoots the ball well, then, I mean, that's that's a weapon that can play on the floor with anybody. It's another guy that that seems to be a mold NBA teams are, are hot on right now or the archetype that, that people are are emphasizing every year. So uh, come workouts, I think that might be an, another guy that, that can rise a little bit. Do you not think to, he's a guy that – he strikes me as a guy that may not look good in workouts. Like he's going to be at his best in five-on-five five play. Because I think if you put him in workouts against – Certain guys, I don't know if it puts him in the best situation, especially if he's not shooting it well. Yeah, I don't think you want him in like three on three against a a really tough defender or something like that. Like if I were if I were his agent, I would be ducking certain guys for him. But I don't know if you put him in a one on zero situation and let him show off his ball handling and yeah, some of his skill type stuff, it, it might help. I think he's a pretty good athlete, so so that might yeah. help too. You don't really get to see him like unleashed athletically a whole lot uh, on, on this UConn team. So that might surprise some folks, but yeah, it's a good point. I think that'll be interesting to see uh, not to label somebody this young, but, but kind of the other end of the spectrum here has been Isaiah Collier. This is a dude I actually think would have been smart to go the ignite route because one, they needed another point guard and and two, he wouldn't have had to worry about the winning piece of it so much. And uh, he doesn't seem super worried about the winning piece of it so much this year, too. Like, he doesn't really guard anybody. And once they get down, it seems like he kind of phones it in a little bit. Uh, I think Collier was a name that Wizards fans seem to resonate with because I think we're desperate for a point guard after yeah. not having one for so long. But uh, not not been big on Collier myself. I, I would just want to have guys that are at least theoretically more likely to be two-way guys and could also defend multiple positions in a best case. And I just don't really see that from him. I don't really buy the shooting. Uh, yeah. and It's hard to. <laughs> yeah, I just, I, even even when he started out a little hotter, it was like, eh, I don't, might be some fool's gold kind of stuff here. So um, he did not make the top 10 career guys board. I guess, where are you at with him kind of overall so far? I mean, it's, it's hard to unsee what you've seen. Yeah. I mean, like the scoring is, you know, good 15 points per game. But like the shooting is a work in progress, and I just think it's tough to be a point guard that can't shoot when everyone goes under. Yeah. And what makes it even tougher is that, especially if you're little and not, you know, or little. Yeah, or, but he's I, like he's his size is. I, I just mean not like the six six kind of yeah guy. Yeah, I mean, it's here's why it, he's a tough eval for me. Because I, I don't know if he can be a good shooter in year one or two in the mm-hmm. NBA. And if you're not not saying that he has to be great, but you, you only you got a small window or, or your replacement is coming <laughs> like like the next year or two. Mm-hmm. It's so I think he has a ways to go as a shooter. And it's 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 kind of like the different it's different than what you said. So I watched him shoot this summer at 
impact. I was in Vegas for summer league. I, I go to watch somebody work out and he was there early in the morning and it was just catching shoot shots. And I, I thought to myself, well, it's good to see him working on shooting off the catch because he's probably never had to shoot off the catch. He's probably had the ball in his hands. And I wouldn't say he shot the ball great. And, and so I was like, okay, shooting is going to be it, it's it's going to be an issue for him this year. Then he got off to the hot start, and I'm like, okay, well maybe. Yeah, the work paid off or whatever. Yeah, maybe the work paid off. And then now it's like, okay, the shot just looks. I mean, right now he's at like 27 percent from three. I think so. Yeah. And that was after like a sh- the first Strong six games. Yeah. He was you know in the in close the, to 40 almost. I mean, yeah. So it's like. Whew. <laughs> then you got the below 70% from the foul line. And then at one point I felt like the assists and the turnovers were about even. Now he's at like 4.4 assists and 3.7 turnovers. But at the same time, that's a, a lot of turnovers for your point guard, especially someone that, I mean, like Cade had more turnovers than assists, but mm-hmm. Cade was a big guard. And I think a lot of people blame the the lack of talent on his team. Well, this USC team has it's got talent. Some dudes. Yeah, um, you got Kobe Johnson, who a lot of I people really thought like. was yeah. no draft pick. He's not really having a good year. Yeah. And then obviously with with Bronny, I mean they've only had a a couple games, but yeah, just the turnovers. And then I, I just felt like the passing hasn't been as good as advertised. Like yeah. he was. Advertised as like this really good point guard that was a, a crafty or creative passer, and I really just see basic. Yeah, here's the ball, boogie Ellis. Do your thing. Yeah. yeah, so he's someone that I mean, I think he's going to really need a strong, a strong performances in conference play mm. to be a lottery pick. Because right now, if you're just watching and you strip away the hype and how well he played at the McDonald's game. It's hard to say, like, I mean, this guy's the the best point guard in this draft class. Kind of the opposite for me. I had heard a lot about Collier coming in. I knew nothing about Reed Shepard coming in, and I just want to touch on him briefly. My guy Oz wanted to talk about him on here a little bit. Uh, I haven't watched a ton of Kentucky, to be honest, but he stands out every time he's on the court. He does just smart, good stuff, and he's coming off the bench and seems cool with that, and same with Dillingham, like you might be the two best guards on the team and you're cool not starting. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I don't I don't think there's a might to it. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. I bet you they beat the starters in practice. And, yeah, it wouldn't wouldn't really shock me. I still not totally out on, on DJ Wagner long term, but you know, it, it's still he's been really good and and I didn't see this coming. I don't I mean he was like 75th in their recruiting rankings or whatever, I think. So I don't know that anybody saw one and done coming that are, are you sold on Reed Shepard is he a first round pick this year for sure in your mind I I, I saw this all along really okay that's awesome no, I'm, I'm lying okay <laughs> there's I was no like shit man I was <laughs> but hey, no, you're, on, you're ahead of guys before a lot of people so it, would, it wouldn't shock me but uh no no I I did not see this I was actually wondering like is he even going to get enough play play. time yeah because I figure you know I mean there's obviously there's an allegiance between Calipari and Wagner. So I just thought he was going to eat first. And then once Antonio Reeves came back, you know, there was speculation that he was leaving. Mm-hmm. Once he came back, I'm like, okay, those guys are going to be their backcourt, which, I mean, they're still their starters. And then when Rob came there, I was just like, you got three freshmen that kind of play the same position. Mm-hmm. I don't know how it's going to work. Somebody's going to be the odd man out. And I, I figured it would be, him, I I didn't know if Calipari would give Dillingham the freedom to be Rob or in a sense, sure. 
But I, I figure like it'll probably be Reed because they probably see him as more so of a long term guy. He'll be there next year. We're gonna get our guys out. Yeah. And man, I mean, he's just <laughs> every every situation that I I thought of best case scenario, he's blown it away. Yeah. I mean, the shooting splits are crazy. It's like 57, 56, yeah. 90. 50, 50, 90. I mean, almost 60, 60, 90 is, uh, is I don't know if anyone's ever pulled that off in, in high volume on a top, you know, 10. Right. Yeah, it's not like he's a big and then he, you know, he's shooting 56% from three because he's only taking eight, One. three, yeah, 20 right. games. No, I mean, he's shooting it on volume. He's not missing. He's rebounding. Like he's averaging a little under five rebounds per game. He's passing the ball and he's not turning the ball over. He's just making sound decisions. Their whole team is weirdly efficient to me. And I would not have thought three freshman guards playing this many minutes would yield like one of the the most ball secure teams in college basketball. That that's wild to me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's definitely not like it's definitely not what I expected. I mean, I thought Justin Edwards was going to be the guy I actually had him number one coming into the season. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's hard not to – it's just hard not to like what you've seen out of him. I mean, you can't – it's hard to pick a hole in this game. Like, there's every other player in this class, I feel like you can pick a hole and say, mm-hmm. all right, this guy's not shooting it well. Maybe we believe he can develop into a shooter or this guy's not – doing this i mean it's hard to pick a hole only thing about reed shepherd that i don't like is that some of the comparisons i've seen like somebody asked me what's the difference between him and mac mcclung and i'm like what i mean that's just the laziest comparison ever yeah. they're like totally they're- totally different people yeah mac was a dunker who didn't really do a ton else and reed shepherd does everything else you want on a basketball court i mean for starters one was efficient and one <laughs> yeah. one is you know like I mean, he's just playing so well that, I mean, it's just hard not to like what he's done. And I think he's a better athlete than what people have given him credit for. And I just think sometimes it's just natural for some people to assume a, a white guard that's not like dunking or all is not a good athlete. I mean, you look at a guy like Austin Reeves, he's not playing above the rim, but he gets to his spots. Mm-hmm. He's got some creativity off the bounce. Not saying that Reed is as creative as Austin Reeves is right now. But, I mean, he's a guy that I think can play with anybody. Like, I I always kind of look at guys like, all right, if I put him on a team with James Harden or Luka, a ball-dominant guy, could he play? Mm. Yeah. Could he play with Trey Young? I mean, they may be small, but he can play off of him as a shooter, as as someone that, you know, if if, if you you take the ball out of Trey's hands, you got another decision-maker. Like, I think he can play with almost anybody. Yeah, I think that's valuable again, especially in, in, in this kind of draft too. Yep. I, I'm getting to the point where I less kind of care about how athletic a guy is and it's more about how they use their tools and can they find ways around it with like pace and uh, like guys to me that that kind of control their own tempo and, and the way everybody else operates around them and dictate things, I, I think are really interesting. So I've got two guys here that that I've liked. These are two more West Coast guys uh, right now. One of them you recently talked about on the pod is is Jalen Tyson. Yep. That's somebody I, I didn't really watch a ton of Texas Tech, that, you know, so I wasn't really uh, as keyed in on. But he's been a great watch this year as sort of a a big wing that actually I think could be like a backup point guard kind of like he he could actually do some more on ball stuff. 
Uh, and then I absolutely love, um, he's a cow for anybody who uh, wants to watch them. And then AJ Mitchell from UC Santa Barbara has been like literally my favorite watch this year because he does everything for them. He's basically like a 6'4", 6'5", point guard. And it's like this heliocentric kind of thing where he's, they rely on him to like generate offense and he's shifty and he finishes at the rim really well. And if you can score 20 points a game without like burying a bunch of threes, like that's huge to me because I actually do think he could shoot it. So if he was your Austin Reeves type guy on a team where he may drop in the draft and then he's playing on a playoff team in the playoffs in year two, like that kind of wouldn't shock me personally. Yeah. I like, I like both. Um, Jalen is someone I've, I've just known just because he's in, he's from the Dallas area, mm-hmm. done some video work for him. Good kid. And even some of the stuff that he's showing this year, I didn't know he had in this game. Yeah. Like, he went to Texas, left there after a few games, goes to Texas Tech, which is where he originally committed mm-hmm. under Chris Beard. Yep. And then he followed Beard to Texas and then left. And at Texas Tech, I mean, like, there's a reason why you probably didn't watch them last year because yeah, they were boring it, to watch. It, it <laughs> you know, they, there's a whole bunch of bullshit off the court. and Yeah, but it seems like guys have left Texas Tech and improved their draft stock. So you yeah. look at Kevin McCullough Jr. Yeah. Goes to Kansas. I mean, I, it's, it's different. I mean, he's in year five now, so you expect him to be better. Terrence Shannon um, before this whole situation, and, and then Jalen. And Jalen was someone that at Texas Tech he was used as like a spot up shooter. He was always he's always been a good rebounder, mm-hmm. but I did not see like the, the the passing, the ball handling. I did not see that in his game. So it looks like going to Cal, maybe not as far as winning, but just as far as just showcasing what he can to, do. Yeah. Um has 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 helped him a lot. I mean the shooting is down like he was an efficient three point shooter last year. I think it's down because obviously like the, the team is not really good and he's having to take more shots. But the fact that he showed last year that he can play like a complimentary role and play off the ball was and, and shoot the ball efficiently was good. Well, now he's shown that he can make plays for others and at six, eight and can handle. I mean, I, I think that he's a very intriguing NBA prospect. He's a little slow with the jumper, but Again, if you're getting wide open looks on, you know, on the far side, like in a corner in the NBA, like I think yeah. he'll he'll hit those. Yeah, I don't think he'll be asked to create, you know, much, you know, if he were the NBA. And then AJ, I think my my brother had him getting picked up by the Nuggets, and now mm-hmm. I just can't unsee like it's how perfect. perfect of a fit that yeah. would be for him. I like him a lot. Um, somewhat of a reluctant shooter from three, and much better shooter off the dribble than mm-hmm. than on the catch. But, I mean, he's a guy that, especially on the college level, you don't want to put him in a position where he's getting catch-and-shoot jumpers. You just want the ball in his hands and let him do what he does. And we'll figure out the catch-and-shoot stuff later on. But I really like him. also like the fact that he, you know, was kind of loyal to whether it was his coach or teammates, chose to stay. I'm sure he had big offers to to play at, um, you know, a power five or whatever, but chose to stay put. And, uh, I mean, I, I think that he's somebody that could really rise up in the draft. I mean, we've seen guys from mid-majors in the last couple of years, whether it's Pajemski or Jalen Williams, kind of rise. That's really the comp is like a Pajemski-level guy. I mean, he could play on or off ball. I mean, he's probably not the the shooter, especially off ball, that Pajemski is. But the like rebounder, but who is? He's a good yeah, rebounder. Right. But. Yeah. 
no, just that, he's different. <laughs> that one still doesn't make sense to me that he's that good, has that much of a nose for the ball that he does. But yeah, yeah. I, that it's yeah, I could see that kind of role from day one of just like being a solid older, not older, older, but like yeah, a guy that can come in and, and doesn't need like three years to develop into a contributor. Yeah, I mean, if I'm you know a team that's a playoff team. I mean, he's one of my first targets off the board because I Same. think he can come in and, and play right away and he can play off of whoever your your guy is. But yeah, just Denver would be a, a good fit. But even a, a team like Philly or mm-hmm. I, mean, I think there's so many teams that could use him. So it's like he'd be in a better situation if he doesn't yeah, <laughs> climb too far. I up, think yeah. he, he can play as a rookie and be like a first team all rookie guy. Last guy I got for you here, just because he's local, I have to mention him, but also I'm just, I don't understand why this guy isn't higher on boards for people, is George Mason's Keyshawn Hall, Keyshawn Big Guard Hall. I, the dude has been really good this year, and he's really like a solid athlete. He's got ball handling at like a very legitimate 6'7", got like a, I mean, he's shed 60 pounds in the offseason and, and is solidly built. He shoots it, he drives, he attacks, he posts up smaller guys, he takes bigger guys off the dribble, he creates open looks for everybody else. I don't understand how that's not a first-round pick on a, a lot of boards right now. So have you watched much Keyshawn or any thoughts on him? Yeah, I'm familiar with him. I mean, you have to love the just the size and, and just everything that he brings to the table. Um, Yeah, I mean, I just think right now it's kind of probably going to be like a wait-and-see type type thing Mm -hmm. but i could definitely see him as someone that goes to the combine and that's like the first time that some teams like really gonna get a good look at him it's kind of amazing in a sense how when i've been to the combine the last couple years how it's so many guys first time watching a player (laughs) i guess like your your lower level scouts in a sense are there but like top decision makers it's usually their first time watching a guy at the combine, especially a guy that's not like at a power five school or didn't play at like the champions classic or whatever. Mm. He strikes me as a guy that the top executives in the league haven't and they've watched never heard of seen. him probably. Yeah. And um, they're going to get the, a chance to watch him play at the combine. I think he's, he's going to do well, but he's, it's weird because in today's NBA, and we, I talked about it earlier, you kind of have boxes for guys in, in a sense. And I just hope that he's not one of these guys that does so many things well that you can't say the box for him. Yeah. yeah, like he's your three and D guy. Mm-hmm. He's your spot up shooter, your energy guy. And so I, I think sometimes being so having so many different skill sets that you're good at makes people intrigued by you. But then they're trying to figure out how do you fit you the fit yeah. in today's NBA. And and I think Dylan. Mitchell, no, no, I'm sorry, Dylan Jones, Jones at Weber State, yeah, could could have the same mm-hmm. the same situation. Like I thought he played well enough last year at the combine and the G League, uh, the the G League, whatever camp it's called at in Chicago. I thought he played well enough to get drafted, but he wasn't comfortable with it. Decides to go back to school, and I think part of that is just because you just didn't know what box to put him into. Yeah, he's another hyper productive guy. If anyone uh, wants a fun watch, uh, he just kind of does everything for their team. So yep. that's, a, that's a good call. Uh, Raphael, the single most important question of this entire podcast. Uh-oh. If people want more of your content, where can oh. they find it? Yeah, you can find me at M- NBA Big Board, Locked on NBA Big Board. It's the podcast we try to do five days a week. 
And then I have um, the newsletter, NBABigBoard.com. I haven't wrote anything in a while, but I, I plan on writing a bunch of uh, – I'm doing a mock draft that I'll probably do this weekend. And so I'll get back to, to writing a lot. I've just been doing a lot of traveling and – and uh holidays are tough man it's just tough to, to do all of the above and and fit in that stuff too yeah like for to me writing i need to like do absolutely nothing yeah. i don't and i just need to especially because i i i want to use like stats and, and so on and then there's a game and then the stats are wrong but um top of the year i'm going to get back to about two at least two articles per week plus nice. plus the podcast so if you like draft stuff i'm, I'm pretty accessible uh, and great follow on Twitter uh, as well for anybody uh, just always insightful. Hey, check this guy out. That's usually where I hear about a lot of these guys the first time too. So I always appreciate that too. And I'll have your uh, Twitter handle in the link to the episode. So thanks, man. Appreciate you. I would love to have you on again, uh, closer to the draft. Um, this is always just fun for me to nerd out. And this is something Wizards fans are going to have to care about for the next couple of years. So uh works for me. Yeah. And just hit me up and we can make it happen. Awesome. Thanks, man. All right, everybody, you know the drill. Rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. We're presented by betonline.ag, and we'll catch you all next time. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube